Welcome back to another episode of Table Talk. This is Cameron, your co-host of this podcast. And tonight we are going to be continuing our new series, Running D&D 4. As we have touched on in our previous episode, there are numerous different play styles out there. Uh, We're aware of that. We know that DMs are obviously aware of that. And sometimes that can be difficult knowing how to run a certain type of game for a certain type of player. So tonight, like I said, we're continuing that series. We're going to be focusing on a new playing style. And uh, once again with me tonight, I have, of course, our lovely co-host Christian and our other host, uh, as you know him, Critical Crafting, Dylan Olney himself. So do you guys want to give a quick little shout out or whatever? Hey everybody, I'm Dylan from Critical Crafting. Um, I have been DMing for a very long time, ever since I was around 12 years old. Uh, ran into a lot of different play styles, so hopefully I have some cool uh, input for everyone tonight. And I've played some interesting characters in the past as well, so uh, looking forward to continuing with the series. Cool. And what about you, Christian? Hey guys, uh, it's great to be back and talking with you guys. We've had a little bit of a quick break um, in recording, so I'm just happy to be back and uh, talking to you guys tonight. All right, so like we said, we're continuing our running D&D 4, and tonight we're going to focus on the role player. So as you have perhaps gathered from some of our previous episodes, the kind of archetypical role player, so to speak, the actor of our group, is none other than our um, our smallest player at our table, small one. And so we were going to have him as the co-host, but also slash guest host tonight. And we're going to be talking about everything related to the role player player type rather than just the concept and the idea of role playing. So I want to kind of preface that from the beginning, hopefully avoid some confusion there. So let's go ahead and kind of dive in. So I think maybe we could start it off first with small one. As we kind of said, you are the kind of designated role player of our group. Um, how would you define your play style though? Like for someone that's maybe never had this type of a player at their table or has never ran D and D for this type of a player. Um, how would you describe yourself and your play style? Sure. Um, so the biggest thing that I always like to do is just really have an immersive character, really feel as though I um, am in my character's mind, going through the motions with them and trying to, I guess, spark creativity in everything I do. Because I feel like, with especially with games like this, they're so rigid in a lot of board games. That when you get to D&D, it's so wide open that you can do as much as you want way easier than you can than any other game, just because it's so wide open. So I always like to take advantage of that in some cases, where with role-playing, you can really say and do a lot more than you can and I guess in combat because it's a lot more fluid it's very open so my playing style is very much about taking in the situation and then trying to either use background knowledge whether it's skill checks whether it's past adventures um, just to I guess manipulate or change the situation to our benefit um, and sometimes even our detriment to be honest just to keep it, I guess, creative and spiced up in some ways. I just really like to switch up the kind of uh, entire um, encounter normally. Well, you're not just a role player, though. Like, in some, on the one hand, you're like the DM's greatest enemy and also one of the DM's best friends because that, that's that, like you said, like you like to just turn things on their head and like think outside the box. And I think that's a little bit different of a play style than just like a pure role player. Mm-hmm. But 
with that being said, that is your character. Like that's what he kind of does is think outside the box and do crazy stuff like that. And you had talked about, you know, things being kind of rigid, like some of the games being kind of rigid. And I think some people can see combat as a little bit rigid in yeah. any version of D D. But if you role play while you're in combat, it can really enhance the experience. And instead of like, okay, roll. Okay, does it hit? Okay, <laughs> yes, it hits. Okay, five points of damage. Instead of like, okay, you know, you swing your long sword at the guy, like now describe how your attack goes. Exactly. Kind of I think adding um, just small characteristics to your character, whether it's mannerisms, whether it's accents, whether it's costumes, uh, whatever you can use in combat or in, I guess, like normal role-playing settings to really show that you have a distinct character and that that character really is its own entity separate from your own self and really try and own that and try and make it i guess make the group around you um kind of delve into the game further and really get into it more than just going through the motions i think something else to preface though too is that like christian kind of touched on the role playing itself can take different forms or whatever so the stereotypical type of thing i feel like is that Everyone just kind of automatically assumes that it means you have to talk with an accent that a lot of times ends up being like a British accent, maybe. And <laughs> or like, I don't grog, know. Watch more grog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's very well something you can do. Uh, but at the same time, it, it can be as simple as, like Christian said, mannerisms or talking with a lisp or having your character be more reserved. And so you intentionally wait a couple seconds before you respond to something as if you're pondering. And there's there's different ways that can manifest. Well, and I think like a lot of people go to the accents or go to like, you know, changing their voice and that because it makes it it's it's like the entry level of role play. Yeah. Like it's much easier to be like, okay, like let me think of a character, all right, I'm gonna talk like, you know, Gimli from Lord of the Rings and I'm a dwarf or whatever. Like that makes it easier to get into character than like I'm gonna subtly change my voice <laughs> so that I sound a little bit different, you know. And like for husk. some people yeah, and like I, I try and do that with my character Delvos. I just change my voice just a little bit because um, mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I'm not really one because I'm terrible at accents because I sound like Count Dracula every time I try and do one. <laughs> or Jamaican. <laughs> or Jamaican, yeah. one of the two, yeah. you know. Um, but, but that's the, like Cameron, you're saying you don't have to do an accent. You don't have to like, you know, uh, go that far. If, if it's easier for you, like do it. If it's your first time trying it out, like... That can I was going to really... say, I, I'm not even that good at, like, accents. Like, I, I normally mess up a lot of the times switching in and out of my player character's, you know, accent, air quotes, uh, and also, like, my normal voice. I feel like a lot of times it kind of melts together, unfortunately. But um, I like to use more of, like, my actions, my uh, specific items that make my personality, like, pop. Um, I think a big thing is just kind of surrounding your character in a lot of different ways to really make them uh, stand out and be remembered, whether it's, you know, from the other player characters' perspectives, so they know who your character is, but also from the DM's perspective, where they know your motives, they know what your character normally acts like, just so you can kind of um, develop a small kind of relationship with the DM of they're going to kind of use your character and how you built them up 
I guess, against you in some ways and also for you in some ways. So it really adds a whole new dynamic, I think, when you have a really fleshed out role-playing character like that because the DM can really work with it in a lot of different ways. And I think, like, I was just talking with one of our newest players the other day trying to come up with, like, a backstory because we just let him into the group. We have a thing we talked about where play for three sessions and then if everybody likes you, you know, we vote. Try more council. Yeah. You're voted <laughs> off the island or, you know. and, uh, and so he then was messaging me saying, Hey, uh, you know, I'm in the group now. Like I want to make a backstory. Mm-hmm. And for him, it was as simple as like, okay, here is like the place that you're from. Here is the reason that you left that place. And here is some, like some of your personality traits. And that's it. Like that's all that he needed was a couple sentences that we worked through back and forth. And he's like, cool, it's open-ended and you as the DM can help me to fill out additional stuff. And for some people, I've had people turn in five page backstories <laughs> on, you know, who their character, and both of those are completely valid. Like neither yeah. one of those is wrong. Um, so some people love role-playing and they, you know, they, they create this huge idea of who they are. And then the DM you know, works to make that work in their world. And other people are like, hey, you're the GM. Here's a few things that I want to do. And the DM's like, what do you think about this? They say, cool. And then you kind of go from there. Yeah. That's a really good point too, Dylan, because I remember like, that's actually, that was me that you just described, I think, because I know when we first started playing, (laughs) I was, (laughs) I was completely new to this, as I've said before. And I I knew almost everybody at the table, but that still didn't really change the the fact that I just didn't feel comfortable like getting into character or whatever. And so I think the way that I took that interest and I kind of turned it into something, I, I, I created something with it was by, I, I literally had, I think a five page, it wasn't even really a backstory so much so as it was like a kind of like flashback sequence that I typed out for Dylan explaining where my my character came from and how he got his name and why he was on the mission that he was on and everything and then as I did that like I first I I remember picturing in my head that I was thinking okay this will be a a couple paragraphs just to give him some ideas of things that maybe he could use for content down the road and it quickly turned into literally five pages of single spaced just story or whatever and but so I took that five pages and I had so much fun doing it. And I like, it was so enjoyable that then I got out paper, like grid, like graph paper. And I started drawing the map of this dungeon of where the story took place at. And I think Dylan might even still have it hanging on the wall of the basement yep. somewhere. It's and so just sick. like, it was just, I don't know. It was cool. Cause like in that moment I was, I was like acting as a more of like the role-playing play style without physically doing any accents or trying to do a voice or trying to do mannerisms or anything. Well, and that's like a great thing though, like to, to prep your role play or like get yourself in the idea of like, who is this character? Cause that can be super hard. Um, especially starting out, like you're trying to play someone that isn't you, like put yourself in the mindset of someone that isn't you. And maybe for some people, like they're playing who they would like to be or whatever, but like, I think that using something like using a character that you know on TV or from a book, like that's okay. It's fine to try and like act like them when you're starting out or even like you were saying, you know, write a a scene or like put yourself in their mindset for a little bit and sort of like prompt yourself to create this character. I think that can be really, really helpful when you're just starting um, role-playing. And even when you've done it for a long time and you got to do a new character or something like getting yourself in that mindset. 
Yeah, it definitely helped kind of like flesh out and contextualize the character that I felt like I was going to be playing as. And uh, I knew there were, I mean, there were definitely times later on than still early in the game and everything, but there were times where like a situation may arise and I would kind of find myself thinking back, like, like how would he react to this? And then kind of tying things into like the story that I came up with for his backstory. And so, yeah, I definitely think that that was a, kind of a cool little exercise that and it wasn't even something that like Dylan suggested to do it was just he had made the comment about g- giving the DM a couple of loose threads was something that could later on give him something that he could weave into the story and might just pay off with being something really fun or cool for your character yeah. and i just kind of started that rolling and it yeah it was a lot of it was really cool so well, and the other thing too, I'd like to hear some of Small One's thoughts on this. It's like when you play a character for a long time, obviously they go through a lot and they change, oh and like your gosh, role play, yeah. like your role play style might start one way for a character, but like the fun of role playing is that your character changes over time, like because yeah. of their experience. So I don't know. I, I just thought it'd be interesting to hear a little bit about that. So I think in the beginning, um, way back, you know, I played this character for over probably ten years now. It's been ridiculous. But um, he's only fifteen, so that he started really <laughs> young. <laughs> no, no, I was so like young. twelve or eleven. Um, but <laughs> ninety-five, yeah. So the big thing I noticed is that obviously I switched classes, and I also had a point where I kind of did like a soft restart in which I kind of had a uh i i talked to dylan about kind of restarting in a way but also having like my past self be kind of i think i did like a i don't know if it was a skin graph or like a consciousness switch or what the specific you know mechanism was but basically just kind of started with a different um slightly different race of a changeling and i kept it as though like my consciousness had switched over from my past character and kind of did a soft reboot-ish. So I definitely switched up classes. I tried to make it like very much where I, I kind of acted a little bit different and subtly started to like gain the mannerisms of like different people, um, kind of acting as though this like drastic change wouldn't immediately affect me, but in like over time would slowly like start to show that I'm a different person. So I, I especially think that I started off as a um, rogue way back when, and I think it was a little more serious um, just because it was just me and, you know, Dylan and my other brother, really. As time went on, I think I slowly got it to where my character started to get more and more risky, more and more, I guess. Uh, you mean risque? <laughs> no, risky, <laughs> risky with different maneuvers, very much um, trying to gain more and more power, kind of like power hungry, uh, greedy, just more and more of these kind of like. I don't want to say bad traits, but just traits that are not always the best for people. Um, kind of be obsessed, obsessive in some ways. And eventually, I when I did the soft reboot, I ended up being a bard. And I kind of acted as though I was a, not like a baby, but like kind of where you're like very unmolded. You're kind of just a clay model of a person. Just to like keep it really wide open for where I wanted to go. Because I really wanted to try different classes and see where it went. I ended up through the first two encounters kind of like sketching into this kind of uh, more um, chaotic, funny bard who was kind of the comic relief of in comic relief and also a little bit 
brought some of the dark times with him from his past life. (laughs) Okay, come on. Sadistic (laughs) is the wrong word for it. But um, I I really think that I tried to bring over some of my past self and past like experiences into my new character, but also uh, I guess show that I, I slowly am changing and becoming more and more chaotic to where now my character's been through so much emotionally and physically. I think he's like, you know, something ridiculous, like 120 years old or something like he's been through a lot. And um, I just wanted to show that with that much toil, that mentally the only way to cope is with extreme, I guess, like riskiness in uh, role playing, riskiness in combat. Uh, I guess just trying to be almost like where you're carefree and like danger free, where you're just trying to live in a new way because you've done so much you're just trying to Playing have Jack more Sparrow. excitement in your life oh exactly <laughs> <laughs> so that's really where i try to you know change up in a lot of those ways well what's funny about that too is like we just had one of our other really great role play characters will who's been playing for a very long time and he was playing a character that was essentially a dwarf assassin who he had an accent he smoked cigars all the time he was just this hard dude, right? And like very serious, very like tactical and all this. He gets killed. And Will's next character is a warforged um, artificer who's essentially like a genius savant idiot child. <laughs> and it was amazing to see like the switch between like this tactical, murderous dwarf character that he was playing. And then all of a sudden, now he's switched gears and he's trying something new and he's playing this character who is like, yeah, they don't know what's going on. Like, he's not very smart. He's going to prompt the big bad evil guy to come back and half wipe out the party. And it was great because you can't be mad at the guy because he's just playing his new character. So I don't know. I, I just thought that was really cool to see. Like, you know, we have you who you've kind of like slowly evolved this character over time and mm-hmm. he's slowly like, changed um as we've gone on and then we have will who like is one of our best role players honestly oh yeah he he just switches from one you know one character to the next and boom 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 um just different play style so he just couldn't be here tonight so that's why we settled for small one (laughs) yeah obviously (laughs) obviously uh no but all that's all that's very true though like it's it's all really about kind of what you put into it or whatever but um so we've kind of talked on what more or less kind of role playing is obviously and a little bit of maybe what that looks like what would then let's i, I want to go a little deeper into that from the player's perspective small one would you say then to a dm who is trying to better engage a role player at their table what are some suggestions you would give him give them the greatest thing is uh, especially for role players is them having an open uh, battlefield or area to work with so a lot of times in dungeons it's really hard to role play effectively if you're only coming up against like one enemy and you're trying to convince them to get past or you're trying to like it's, it's a lot more limited in what you can do when you're literally caved in like walls around you so what i love about a city environment or just a wide open clearing even in like a dungeon is that it allows you to bring in new people and new subjects just for i guess like an added uh, layer to the game to where the role player normally will begin to think of like there's so many new opportunities for me to take advantage of for the group like there's so many things to do and so many possibilities it just kind of i guess like opens up the uh 
their imagination and uh, what they can do then. So I think just having different characters, new characters, trying to keep it as wide open for them uh, while still keeping, of course, like the same campaign structure or theme that you want going. I know a lot of times, in my mind at least, I would assume for other people too, that when I think of role play or a role player, rather, the first thing that jumps to mind is usually non-combat. It's usually some sort of NPC dialogue type of speech tree type of thing. And what would you say to kind of go like to, to convince me otherwise? Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. So you're saying basically that like the normal role playing is seen as just like non-combat, like um, talking your way out of a fight. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, kind of. Because like if if you remember when we had Jacob on last time, one thing that we really kind of got got to when we really dove into it was that with him as a tactical player, a lot of times the first thing that people go to is combat, and that's not always necessarily having to be the case. And and his to his point. There were lots of instances where we were in a role play heavy session, and he was he was able to be just as tactical than some of the the things that he did or some of the goals that he achieved or whatever. So from that same from that same standpoint, then I think something that would be really important to try and convey to the listeners would be that by that same token, as a role player doesn't necessarily have to only be or non-combat, if that makes sense. So what would be something that you would maybe, from your experience, contribute to back that up? So especially, I think, if you're in a combat situation, something that is always a possibility with role-playing is convincing, whether it's an NPC that's a bystander, whether it's the enemy themselves, to convince them uh, to help the group in some way or help yourself in some way. So especially with, I think, automatically bystanders, immediately with role-playing, you can try and convince bystanders or uh, anyone around to help to join your cause. That's just an easy one, straight off the bat. But also, on another point, I actually was able to trick the trick the main like villain at one point. I don't remember what creature it was. Dylan can back me up. But I was able to convince them that I was going to be their jester, that they should keep me alive so I could be a jester for them in their new domain. And I kind of laid it on the, you know, flirtatious uh and you know, all the all the different flirts and everything I pull out of the hat basically to try and get this uh creature to kind of keep me alive. And then immediately, once he kind of like shifted his gaze to somebody else, I got close enough to where I could execute. I don't know what spell it was, but I I could execute a different spell or a different maneuver that completely like changed the momentum of the battle. So the big thing is, uh, no matter if it's you know combat, you can still deal a heavy amount of uh, I guess like momentum damage or just in general advantages to your uh, to your group you can you can shift the entire balance of a battle just with different role playing i think to your point too like you know i think sometimes people who are very tactical and they want just combat and then you get into a long role play session they're like okay you know what am i gonna do but a role player if you're in a combat session the thing of it is like if you're really role-playing your character, you should still continue doing that. Like, just because you now are like, okay, I got to think about my move speed and my attack and that kind of a thing, you still are put in a situation of, okay, what would my character do? Like, yeah. 
if there's someone who's in danger, would I help them? If there's something that like, would I run away? Would I do, you know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, talking to enemies, talking to friends, um, you know, your response to that combat environment can still very much be role play. And even, you know, your attacks, you can, if your DM is like willing to help you out, they're like, okay, how does that work? Like you, how do you swing at him? How does your spell, you yeah. know, what does it look like? That kind of a thing. Um, so I, I think that both of them, like, there's sort of a divide, I think, in people's minds sometimes between, like, tactical play and role-playing, and mm. really, like, they bleed really well into each other. I completely agree. Especially if you can, if you can really make it work where you're still looking at the tactician perspective in which, you know, if you do do something, let's say detrimental to the group, it's not going to completely throw off the game, and it's not going to ruin people's characters or the group or any any way. Those type of role playing normally you can add it into where it it benefits the group or it's neutral to the group, and it it can still add, I guess, a lot to the game. It won't take away your advantages or your you know specific tac- tactics that you were going to use. It can always just add. Or it can stay the same for advantages, but it really spices up the encounter and, and fleshes it out a little bit more. Good. Yeah, a lot of it's about whatever sort of buy-in you want to have, I guess. That's a good way to look at it. So that's good. I want to shift the perspective a little bit, too, because we've we've obviously given some good insight towards a player who's a role player or a player who wants to become more of a role player. But a lot of times it's the DM I think that really could benefit from things like this. So when you look at it from that regard, then I I would direct this to Dylan then having been the, obviously the longtime DM of the group here. So from behind the screen, what are some ways that you can suggest to better engage the role player type at the table? Sure. So like, first off, I am more of a, um, when I run games, I like role playing more. When I am like a player in the game, I enjoy combat and role play just about the same. As a DM, I personally really enjoy the role play aspect more. I feel like that's the thing that really moves the game. Combat's great, and combat's kind of what everybody sort of lives for and builds their characters for a lot of the time. But I, I just, I just love uh, role play in general. So one of the things I obviously do because I'm more of like a, a artsy person is create an environment that i believe helps role play so um for me you know building like painting a bunch of minis that you can look at or building a environment that you can look at and feel more immersed in it that to me is a great way of helping people to better role play because they feel more immersed and invested in the environment now some people and they're not wrong We'll say that if you give someone a dry erase board and, you know, a marker and you just describe the setting to them, they can role play just as well. And I think there's some people that totally can do that. Um, But I am a firm sort of mainly because I just like doing it of like building this stuff so I can describe it and then I can sit it in front of them and they can play through it. So that's one big thing that I, I think really helps role play. The other thing is to not shut players down. I don't remember who it was that I that I was looking at a while ago, but they essentially said, like, never tell your players no, which I disagree with because sometimes <laughs> you have to say, just no, man, like that, no way. 
Um, but I, I do think I'm thinking that... of the when we tried to grease up a, a, a dinosaur and slide it through a, a cavern in the last yeah. session. Yeah, I mean, that, I would have allowed. Oh, me. sorry, sorry. I thought that was hilarious. Um, but 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 there's the thing. Like, I think that the more you can say yes to your players, the more free they become, oh, and yeah. the more likely they are to try to act like a role player instead of a tactician. So I think that having more of an open world, allowing more like creativity and exploration and sometimes fudging the rules a little bit like that helps with role play a lot. Um, And then I think as a DM, like you're sort of obligated to create interesting environments, interesting characters and like hooks that your players can latch on to because you can create an open sandbox world. But if you don't create like a hook that someone's interested in, it's really hard for people to role play and get into whatever it is that you've made. Okay, so I would say to build off of that too, a lot of times as the DM, or well, I guess I should say as a rookie DM by comparison to Dylan, a lot of times my default almost seemed like when a challenge was being presented to the party that I almost felt like I had to have it quickly turn to combat just to entice the group or whatever, or lead to what their expectations were for coming to the table. And so I think trying to overcome that, that like natural reaction or whatever, and know that just because the party is traveling through a forest and they come across a troll doesn't necessarily mean that they have to just immediately have that troll attack them. And it can be something that that leads to giving some spotlight to the role player, but, and something else I would add too, on a, on a similar tangent, I guess, one thing that I found easier for myself was, is when we started, when Dylan first taught us, well, the majority of our party, when Dylan taught us how to, to play D and D for the first time, Christian was really the only one that would do any sort of role playing. He, he was obviously, that was his play style. That was what he favored. And that's what he was used to playing as. And that was the type of DM that Dylan is too. And so it would sometimes be just the two of them role playing back and forth as the rest of us are answering in, in third person or whatever and everything. So, but when we naturally got to then my campaign a year and a half later we were starting to have some of that like ice be broken and everything and one thing that i found that really kind of helped drive that would be asking players what they do rather than just waiting for them to answer something so for instance we're we're in that forest and a troll all of a sudden is in front of them and rather than saying okay let's roll initiative turning to a player and saying uh, how do you react to that? What do you do? And that immediately puts them in like, in that mindset of how, how am I going to role play through this? And me, that, that really kind of helped too. Just learning to ask questions rather than just tell. Well, and I think like you said, you know, people talking in third person, it's actually super helpful. Like when people are just starting to get into this game or role playing in general, and, you know, you, you don't turn to them and you're like, Balthazar the Magnificent, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like, you say, hey, like, what, what does Balthazar do? And then they respond, oh, you know, Balthazar will do X because Balthazar believes blah, 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 blah. And that helps them start to get into, like, a mindset of their character without feeling that, like, kind of awkward exposure that a lot of people feel of, like, ooh, I'm having to, like, pretend again or, like, play again. You know what I mean? Um 
So I think that third person can be really good and it can help them like walk through their character when you're like, okay, this thing is happening. You are, you know, such and such the paladin. How would you respond? And they're like, oh, right. I'm a good paladin. This is a bad thing. My character would probably X. And like, I think for starting out role playing, that's really helpful. Um, and over time, like you were saying, like it can take a long time. It can take a year and a half. It can take two years. It can take forever. Like to try and get someone to be like, okay, like when the DM asks next time, I'm going to respond as my character. And you know, they don't still need still to ask me. Like, he, yeah, I'm still, still, I'm still, I'm sitting there like, uh, Delvas will probably pull out a magic squirrel, and then yeah. Um, so what a what a great accent! That was, that I know was it was it was a really good one. That's probably was that Jamaican or Irish? That was yes. <laughs> this is what we uh, listen to whenever Dylan DMs. By the way, that's guys. right. They that's have they have to suffer through the accents. The old chapter <laughs> cap. He's probably my best. Uh, <laughs> So, but but yeah, I think that you know when you start out with a new group who's never played a you know a role playing game in person before, it can be really good to start out third person and then slowly move them into you know talking first person, sitting down wearing your wizard robes at Halloween, <laughs> seeing what people say. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> I, I don't know how to feel about that, Dylan. So yes, there there was there's my feedback. I think that was a really good point, Dylan. Um, so I actually want to pose a different sort of question to you too, though. So you've you've given some good insight from the DM standpoint. Christian's given some good insight from the player standpoint as far as being the role player and things to do or things to to do uh, things to try and do or what have you. So with all of that in mind, then Dylan, do you have any sort of advice for how to play alongside a role player, even if you're not a role player yourself? So I, I guess it's kind of a hard question for me to answer because I am kind of the role playing type. But as a tactician, I guess the big thing is like, don't just constantly throw combat at your players. Combat's a great way to extend a session and it can be a ton of fun and advanced plot in that. But like, if you are more of a like, tactical wargaming kind of oriented dm and you were trying to engage a role player try and veer clear of combat and that's not to say don't use it it's just saying that hey if you have like some players that you know really like role play you can still do your combat but maybe ahead of the combat have some back and forth dialogue between them and the people so like maybe there's some goblins and they come across the goblins and instead of just like all right here we go. We fight the goblins. You can be like, you know, okay, hey, there's this, you know, goblin that's he's sitting on top of this warg. He's got like black face paint on. He's leering down at you, going like, ah, what are you doing in my lands? Get the hell out of here! And then, you know, you have <laughs> your that was fantastic. That, I know, right? Uh, and then you have your your players, and you say, okay, like, what do you guys do? And your role player who has been sitting here maybe through several sessions of combat is going to immediately like sit up and be like, okay, I am going to say to that guy X and, and maybe it's that they're going to crap their pants and run away because they're playing a coward. And maybe it's that they're going to, you know, tell this guy what's what or make fun of him or, you know, try and deceive him and be like, Oh, we're polymorphed dragons who just have taken on this form guy. Like you should get out of our way, buddy. And you know, like, 
We are and, your commanders. And it can take the whole thing. Yeah. Or they might have information about him. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're you know, hey, you're black, fa- the, the, the goblin with the black mark on his face. We're the goblins who are in charge of those goblins who came from the north. And he's like, well, I haven't heard about them. They're like, well, you're gonna, and, you know, like, just, just those, like, and those are the moments that are hilarious. Like, yeah, most people, even if like, they don't succeed, too, it's still right. just. That's hilarious. There's there's a few moments in D and D that people talk about, and one of them is like when you have a critical success or a critical failure, and that can be on a skill check where you're trying to, I don't know, seduce a king, or <laughs> it can be you know on <laughs> on an attack where I'm you land added. that you yeah you land the 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 critical attack on you know whoever this demon lord, and you just cut his head off, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then there's those moments when you're role playing. And somebody says something that is either one so cool and so in character, everyone's just sitting around like, dude, that was awesome. Like that, that right there was an incredible piece of role play. And I feel so invested in this story and like this group as a whole, it's great. And then the other one is of course, when they do something that's so utterly ridiculous and outlandish that no one can help, but just laugh their butts off because it's freaking ridiculous. So I, I guess that that would be my feedback is, you know, if you are a, a tactical DM, try try and get out of your comfort zone. Do exactly like, you know, a, a role playing character is kind of getting out of their comfort zone to play tactically and a, a tactical player is getting out of their comfort zone to play role playing. So try and try and meet your players midway, like try and do both, you know, have a nice balance between the two. That's a good suggestion. Something I would add to that, too, is. As I would identify as a role player, and so a lot of times, then there honestly, there can be times where when we're in the middle of a session or an encounter, and the the majority of the party wants to do A, and the role player wants to do B, you know what I mean? Sometimes, the if the majority of the party always wants to go into combat and the one role player does not, a lot of times it goes down to like the majority vote or whatever. But just like we kind of touched on during the episode with Jacob about the tactical player, that you have to still give every player time to shine. And so if the if the role player is taking longer per turn than everybody else, then you just kind of have to roll with it. And because that's that's them getting the juice that they're looking for. That's them yeah. getting the spotlight that they really feed off of. And it's like we'd, we've touched on before, the your fun can't come at the expense of somebody else's. Right. And and that can feed into a whole other thing. Like we've had plenty of times where we'll start a role playing session and if somebody is dominating it, like if the role playing character small one, sorry, but it happens. Mm. If you're dominating the I'm like just so good at runner, it. Yeah. And just you know, and they're talking and they're going back and forth. And the the easy solution, like just as a DM tip, is to just basically not cut them off, but like they say something and then you're like, Okay, like this is how they respond. And then you turn to one of the other characters and say, what does your character say to that? Or how, what does yeah. your character think about that? And we have the octopus, which we use essentially to go around the table. So we don't have that as often. Um, but that's a huge help because some people struggle with that where, okay, like I've got one role player at the table and they're talking all the time and like no one else gets to do anything. Well, use a, you know, magic conch, use whatever to pass around the table or, once they say one thing, move to, you know, say, okay, here's the response. And then 
what does your person say to that? What do you feel about that? How do you think about that? You know what I mean? Or have the uh, have the other players like back up the character in, in in question that's the dominant role player. Have them add in to the discussion. Have force them to kind of have to attempt at least to try and help the role player in different ways. Because if it's if it's just if there's no benefit to them talking, then they're not going to be scared to talk. But if they can actually help the conversation and help the party, then they're much more likely, I would hope, to try and join in there. And that's where you kind of like not force them with uh, advantages, but kind of uh, you you kind of put them on a spot to where you can say, well, like, you know, again, what do you think, blah, 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 or how would you uh, or I, I can always uh, add in as a role player. A lot of times if I'm dominating too much, sometimes trying to bring in other players is a big thing is asking somebody else like to back you up or to you know help add in uh you know specific claim of some sorts add in their knowledge into the situation just because uh sometimes the dm will give you a little bit of leeway you know a little bit of it will it will increase your odds of succeeding if you have two people arguing against one a good point and actually that was literally the the point i was going to bring up to you as well is that as the seasoned role player and having played this play style for years and years and years now and having kind of like legitimately developed it as an art or whatever like what sort of advice would you give to (laughs) what sort of advice would you give to other role players out there as far as how to avoid stealing the limelight do you have anything to build off of that i guess yeah because you you kind of touched on that yeah (laughs) um something big is just to kind of realize when you're the only person be conscious of your words and who you're you're talking with and about because a lot of times just because you have the specific knowledge that might like you know save this conversation or move the plot forward if you're talking over and over again it it kind of i guess the whole idea of the the less you speak um like sometimes the people that don't speak all the time and they have a significant, you know, phrase or two that kind of pop out where they don't, they don't uh, talk all day and they have no substance, but the people that kind of like use their words with quality and with, they think about their words and they have a specific purpose to them. It means a lot more. So a lot of times uh, I try and just as a role player, I make sure that if I'm, you know, kind of trailing on and on and on and I realize like, Hey, I am struggling. I am out of substance. Uh, I am like, I'm just spewing out of my mouth just to try something at this point. That's when I always try and look around the table and bring in people because I know I am dominating to the point where I am not even succeeding. I'm not helping the party anymore. I'm just talking. So kind of be conscious of what you're saying and how you're saying it and the quality of your words. Um, Make sure you're not just talking to talk. So sorry. This just popped into my head, so I had to say it before. Go ahead. So one of the things we're talking about is, you know, trying not to, like, dominate the conversation. Um, So just started Baldur's Gate 3, and one of the cool (laughs) multiplayer aspects... I know, I know, one of the new multiplayer aspects is, like, when someone is in a conversation with a NPC, the rest of the people who are multiplayers get to vote on which of the responses they make. So, you know, there's four or five responses just like Fallout or Skyrim or whatever, and they all get to vote on which one they want that person to make. And I think that that's a really 
cool way of showing a lot of what happens in like parties in D&D is like, okay, I'm going to say this, like some people don't play it that way. They're like, no, you got to just say what you're going to say. Some people play it where, okay, like what's the party wanting to do? Let's all talk about it and figure yeah. it out. I think so like that can be a cool way too. Um, for a role, like someone who's very heavy role play, to then have people who aren't very heavy role play still interacting in a situation like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a really cool mechanic, and I feel like that'd be something that you could, if you were inclined to do so. Like Christian, for instance, when it's something where you know that you're like you're really heavy into role play at the moment and you're you're really having a, some cool time in the spotlight but maybe turning to someone else and asking them how what they think you should do just to um, include someone else into the the thing and a lot of times too uh, not that exact situation but i remember early on there were times where christian being the role player and uh, trying to get us to warm up to the idea a little bit too is what helped kind of break the ice and get us more comfortable at the table and in character too. So there's, there's definitely something that you can be proactive with for that. So that's great. I think we had some really good points here. We're, we're running out of time tonight, but I think this will hopefully have some good insight for, for DMS and players alike. So uh, do either of the two of you guys have any, whatever you would you say was your big takeaway from tonight's episode that you'd want to leave the, the listeners with? Honestly, I, I don't have anything. Um, I think just in general, uh, if you're a role player, um, keep on working on your craft and keep on trying new things. And uh, don't be afraid to, I guess, uh, try something different and try a different character style or different uh, mannerisms of some sorts. Just really try and develop your character as though you're developing yourself in different ways. And then as a DM, uh, I think a lot of good points were brought up about what a DM can do. Um, so I'm just going to leave that with uh, Dylan and Cameron. <laughs> I, I think my big takeaway has been, you know, to try and make sure that everyone gets their day in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. Talk, you know, we had the Jacob episode on tactician. We've now have had a role playing one. Um, but the big thing is like everybody at the table should have a chance to play. Everybody should be involved as much as they possibly can. So. Yeah. As a DM, if you're listening to these, you know, just try and take as much as you can. Think about your group and figure out a way that works best for them um, to try and, you know, bring the role play, bring the combat, bring the tactics to the table and make it work for everybody. I would not to beat a dead horse or anything here, but I, I think I would still leave with the same one from last time that everybody's there for different reasons. Everybody has different play styles or preferences and if you're if you were letting your own fun get in the way of somebody else having fun then that's when it becomes a problem i think and so i would just kind of reiterate that fact so well i obviously want to thank you guys as always for joining us tonight um i i think this was a really cool topic and we got some cool insight into the sometimes scary mind of small one and i think <laughs> hopefully the listeners will feel like they know him a little bit better so um let's go ahead and go to sign off so what do you guys have for me tonight so tonight i'm gonna leave with my sign off of uh christian's my name and role playing's my game oh oh so cute <laughs> all right ready if you pour yourself a tall one your name is probably small one <laughs>
I would close tonight by saying that uh, tonight we got to see both sides of small one while he's at the table. He's the roller and you can ask the girls at the Ohio state. He's also the player. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, thank you guys for joining. It's been a lot of fun. This is uh, the second entry into our running D and D four series. And we have more play styles out there. We have, coincidentally enough more players at our table that fit those styles so we'll be coming to you soon with some more information until then keep on talking at that table giggity giggity all right all right all right all right <laughs> i think that was good awesome. yeah definitely yeah Table Talks theme music, Rhino's theme, is brought to you by Kevin McLeod under the Creative Commons license. Please see the show notes for more details.